Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. You know, there's a time and a place to uh, really get mad about government intrusion into the life of small business. And if ever there was a case, I think this one is it. Jordan Lawrence is our guest today, Senior Legal Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Jordan. It's good to be here, Alan. And I know ADF is known to its friends, Alliance Defending Freedom, has been involved in the case of Stormans against, is it Wiesman or Wiseman? Wiseman. Um, State of Washington has essentially declared war on religious pharmacists, it appears. And I I thought this case was uh, won years and years ago, but uh, it's now headed asking the Supreme Court to, to review it. Tell us about this case. Well, there are abortifacient drugs, uh, morning-after pills sometimes they're referred to, uh, or Plan B, Ella, things like that, that some pro-life pharmacist in good conscience cannot distribute when somebody comes in with a uh, prescription. So rather than dispense them, they refer them to another pharmacist, usually right down the road, not very far away. And uh, the Washington State uh, Pharmacy Board has basically outlawed these types of conscience-based referrals. It is the only state in the union that does this, and um, they allow referrals for all sorts of other reasons, that these drugs are too expensive to stock, uh, or we only concentrate on uh, elder drugs for elderly people or drugs for uh, juveniles, et cetera, et cetera. All of those are legitimate reasons to say, uh, we don't stock that, go to another pharmacist. But if you say, I have a religious objection based on my pro-life beliefs, please go someone else. That's the only type of restriction that is prohibited. And as we've done this, uh, we've done shows about this case before, I've learned that little bit about the pharmacy business that I didn't know, because there's, there's thousands and thousands of drugs and pharmacies can't possibly stock all of them. They have to make business decisions about which drugs there will be sufficient demand for that they won't expire on their shelves and cost them a lot of money. That's exactly right. And you, and you just don't think of that. Uh, so it's not like there's the, you know, every drug you can imagine is just sitting on those shelves behind the uh, person in the white uh, coat. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like a, uh, a grocery store saying, well, we just aren't going to sell apples. You want to get your apples, you got to go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, right, right, exactly. Um, so I guess there was a decision out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that's now being appealed, asking the Supreme Court to review it, right? Yes, and just to, just one step backwards, or, uh, further back, is that the the federal district court had a lengthy trial and basically said this was uh, the government targeting religious pro-life pharmacists and uh, declared the rule unconstitutional. The Ninth Circuit reversed on some dubious reasoning, and that's the case that ADF and also the Beckett Fund are appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court. So you guys actually won 
at a trial. Was it a trial before the judge or was there a jury? No, it was a trial before the judge. And the Ninth Circuit reversed the trial judge? That is correct, yes. That's not supposed to happen very often. No, it doesn't. And uh, that's very rare. I, I agree with you. And it just shows, I think, that there was uh, some, uh, you know, we don't want those pro-lifers to win. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want them dispensing these drugs. So this is the, I mean, okay, so as I understand it, no one has ever come forward and said, because I couldn't get Plan B from, you know, this pharmacy, I couldn't get it in a timely manner, and therefore, you know, I wasn't able to get the drug administered in a timely manner, much less uh, that I became pregnant because I didn't get Plan B in a timely manner. That's correct. And there's not, so there's, there's not even one example, let alone a lot of examples of women unable to get these drugs. That's just not happening. See, And this is uh, just simply uh, an ideological rule that we want to punish the pro-lifers and force them to uh, offer these drugs. See, sometimes, you know, when we see these media-manufactured crises and we see people screaming there ought to be a law, we know that bad laws are on their way. Uh, last year's example was the compulsory vaccination laws here in California. Uh, that eliminated any possible conscience clause type of exemption for those who strongly object to vaccinations. But in this case, and and granted, there are you know there are policy reasons on both sides of the the vaccination issues. Um, you know, our church certainly generally favors vaccinations. But my point is, in this case, installments, um, there simply is nobody screaming no. No necessity, no uh, you know, smoking gun that says, see, we're causing harm. We need to make sure that everybody is stocking and distributing Plan B. That's right. And we had a large number of amicus briefs, 14 amicus briefs, a friend of the court briefs filed at the Supreme Court, basically state pharmacy associations, national pharmacy associations, basically critical of uh, Washington state's rules. So uh, in kind of a rare turn of events, all the professional associations are basically supporting our position and not the state of Washington. Well, that's certainly encouraging. Um, it takes four votes to get the court to hear a case. It's always uh, a long shot to get the court to hear a case. And if they do, we'll certainly be, be coming back to see how this turns out. Uh, do you think that the recent sudden and, and tragic death of Supreme Court Associate Justice Antonin Scalia um, will have an impact on this case. Well, it might. I mean, uh, and I agree with you, and nobody was expecting this. He wasn't, uh, I mean, there wasn't any public uh, information about health problems he was having. And I mean, he was quail hunting as well the day before. So we thought he was in relatively good health. He's been a uh, stalwart of uh, judicial restraint and supporting uh, a pro-life movement, right of conscience, as well as uh, anti-abortion legislation. So uh, it's going to be more difficult without him there. But we believe that the legal arguments are very strong. And when the court considers this, uh, we hope that they will grant review and then reverse. Well, we're certainly going to keep posted on that. And... Um... This is just a stunning—let me just ask you, are there any other situations that are just as flagrant where 
a state that you're aware of that a state government is is really singling out religious conscience for this kind of discriminatory treatment. No, I think that this is very, very unusual. I mean, we I mean, we do have states, you know, like I can think of the Minnesota Human uh, Department of Human Rights saying that we will not allow uh, uh, businesses to uh, turn down uh, same-sex couples when uh, they ask the business to somehow promote the message that same-sex marriage is an appropriate definition of marriage. Uh, we uh, This is unique, I think, in how extreme it is. And in fact, I would say you have to go back to the Lakumi case when the city of Hialeah banned religious-based animal sacrifices but allowed people to kill animals, and you're familiar with the case, uh, for other purposes, uh, such as hunting or, you know, getting rid of pests or food. Uh, and, and that's the same type of thing here. And in fact, there is a parallel where you can make all sorts of other referrals, say, hey, I don't stock those drugs, go to the guy down the street, the pharmacist down the street. You can say that for all sorts of reasons, except because I have a conscientious objection to doing this. So just to be clear, and, and I love your parallel with the Lukumi case, uh, you know, the Adventist church that I work for uh, raised some eyebrows among our conservative church members. What, you you filed a brief on behalf of those, you know, people that are derided as Satanists. Uh, I'm not sure that's a fair characterization, but, uh, but yeah, in, in Hialeah, Florida, it was legal to kill a chicken for sport, to kill a chicken for dinner. Uh, for you know any or no reason, but if it's part of an act of worship, uh, you know, in the long historic tradition of animal sacrifice among major religions, uh, that was deemed to be illegal. That's right. Um, and thankfully, the Supreme Court stepped in and reversed uh, the city of Hialeah on on that one. One of the rare uh, free exercise wins that we've had, and certainly in our generation. Right. Um, yes, yes, most definitely. Uh, but um, so is it legal in the state of Washington to refuse to stock Plan B simply for economic reasons? Yes, that is correct. You can have all these economic reasons for doing that, but not conscience-based reasons. So, you know, like here— Which to me is amazing. Here in the Sun Belt, uh, some of the cities I'm familiar with, they have, you know, large retirement communities like Sun City— uh, I would imagine a pharmacy and you know that primarily caters to the fifty five and, and older crowd might not have much call for uh for plan b um, <laughs> right you know their constituents aren't getting pregnant at any you know any degree of regularity right um, exactly so, so they would be permitted not to stock it for economic reasons. Right. Say there's low demand. We we don't want to do it because it just sits on our shelves and never gets sold. Right. That would be okay. That could be done. And that would not be a, a problem under the Washington regulation. And we've all heard about, you know, some of the tremendous expense some of these drugs are. Uh, pharmacists cannot afford to have expensive drugs expire on their shelves. Um, that would be disastrous for their business. And I think, you know, one of the big picture things that we're seeing in all of the right of conscience cases we're doing or other groups like Beckett, et cetera, are doing is that it is important for as much as possible for the government to accommodate people's conscientious objections, even if they're kind of strange or bizarre. But if they can be accommodated, 
uh, our society is better off when people can function and there's exemptions or adjustments and that sort of thing. What, what is not good is when there's a rigid rule, everybody must do this exactly the same way, no exceptions allowed, because uh, if that's the case, that when one of the listeners has some other objection, even if they don't agree with what the pharmacist is doing here, there will be a time when the government does something that you will object to. And we want to have these precedents established where the government tries to accommodate them and just not says, no, 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 one rule for everybody, no exceptions. Well, with all due respect to um, the kind words you had to say about Justice Scalia, it strikes me that the turn in the law against having a government respect the rights of conscience came with his decision in the peyote case back in 1990 that um, for the first time I think really expressed considerable suspicion of protecting the rights of individual conscience. I think that's right and uh, that's why we've had religious liberty uh, protections in the RIFRA laws at federal and state level and uh, uh, protecting conscience is important. Well, we sure appreciate the work that you guys are doing at Alliance Defending Freedom in bringing these conscience claims. I'd love to do another show sometime talking about whether uh, it's only religious conscience that should be protected. But we're out of time for today. Our guest, Jordan Lawrence, we've been talking about a case called Stormins Against Wiseman, uh, where pharmacists in, in Washington are obligated to stock Plan B, but only if their objection to it is religious. Unbelievable. Jordan, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Thank you for listening, and Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud on the internet. Check out our Freedom's Ring SoundCloud radio station. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let Freedom Ring.